I want to share a verse with you, and I want you to read it with me. We're going to put it up here on the screen. It's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Let's read this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. And you might say, well, aren't we in the midst of a study of Acts? And why are we reading from Thessalonians? And the point is, who, who is the author of that? I mean, who did God inspire to write those words? Paul, um, formerly Saul, one who we read about just a couple weeks ago, was converted to the faith, the most unlikely person ever to become a follower of Jesus, would later, one who once persecuted and put people to death for believing in Jesus, would write those words. Kind of crazy, right? Therefore, encourage each other, right? And where'd it go? There we go. And build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now, have you ever thought of this? Why would he say, encourage one another, build each other up, just in fact you are doing? If they're already doing it, then why say it? Why? To encourage, right? And I think what Paul's getting at here, and the spirit of God is getting at is, we can never encourage too much. Would you agree with that? If you're already encouraging, don't stop. Encourage more. Encouragement matters. Encouragement can transform, change lives for eternity. And it can change the trajectory of lives that are already set on eternity by the baptism and calling in Jesus. Let me ask you this question, and I really mean this question. Think back on your life just for a moment here. Earlier in your life, before you we're here today, maybe it was when you were a kid, maybe it was when you were in high school, maybe it was when you were in college, maybe it was just a few months ago if you're a newer believer in Jesus. Think of somebody who encouraged you to know Jesus. Someone who encouraged your walk in Christ. Who would that be? If you were to say, this is the person, well, take just a few seconds and turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them who that is. I mean, I know we don't usually do this, but let's do it. Seriously, tell them. Who is that person? Some of you are just looking forward. We, we can't do that. Yes, you can. It's okay. My hope is this maybe ignites a conversation that goes further after worship today. Maybe over brunch today you're saying, well, let me tell you more about that story. Because everybody has had some influence in their life of someone who has influenced them, encouraged them in their walk with Jesus. I, I would venture to say that is true of all of us or we wouldn't know the Lord. Because God works through people in our lives and works through maybe former pastors, maybe it was through a parent, maybe it was through a friend of the family, an uncle or an aunt, maybe a, a godparent. Uh, maybe it was, in my case, I'll, I'll put a picture up here. Here's somebody who had an incredible influence and encouragement in, in my early life um, in Christ. And that was uh, in high school, just as I was going from eighth grade into high school, this man was called to my small church in Lester Prairie, Minnesota. His name is Pastor Bill. Pastor Bill Metzger, and I love this picture because here he is holding up the word of God, and that is what he is all about. The only thing that's wrong about this picture is he's looking down because he also told me, as, as he took me out to lunch one day, 
when I was going into high school and a lot was changing and I had all these insecurities, I was overwhelmed with life, and he took me to the, the fancy Tasty Burger restaurant in Silver Lake, Minnesota, um, the smell of grease as you entered into the, this restaurant, and, and we sat down and he bought me a hamburger and fries and a Coke, and he asked me the question, Mark, have you ever thought about being a pastor? And, and it blew me away because... I, I was so impressed by him. I just I saw him as this incredible spiritual giant that had come to my church and his ability to preach and share the word of God. And uh, one of the things as a kid that caught my attention was that he would preach without notes, without reading his sermon. And later he would tell me, he said, if you ever use notes when you're preaching, my spirit will whisk them off the pulpit, <laughs> right? Um, he had an influence on me. And the amazing thing is, is because of his words of encouragement, have you ever thought about being a pastor? It planted a seed in me. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, it just, it, it, this, this devastated me. He retired and I was not able to be at the celebration. I was speaking up at Arcadia and had to be there. But um, he retired from ministry, which in his case means he's moving down uh, south and he's going to continue to preach probably pretty much every weekend and just help out small little churches in the country. That's retirement, right? And it doesn't stop. But he had an influence on me. He encouraged me. I bring all of this up today because we're going to hear and, and discover and uncover the story of an encourager in the scriptures, in God's word today. As we open again, Acts chapter 11, and to turn there, as we read it just a little while ago, a little context here, we, we've just gotten through last week of, of Peter having to explain his actions of actually reaching out to people who were not Jewish, and they're trying to get this through their minds that the gospel of Jesus is truly for everybody, no matter what their background. That Christ has come for all nations, and they're still grappling with this. What does this mean? And you get to verse 19, and it, here it is, that word diaspora, or diaspero, shows up again. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia. Phoenicia was uh, the northern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, so north of Palestine. Um, it, had, it also traveled to Cyprus, and if you've ever seen a map, Cyprus is that big island um, off of, off of uh, the coast there in, in the middle of the Mediterranean. Um, then you've got uh, Antioch being mentioned here. There's two big Antiochs in, in the Mediterranean world. One is going to show up later in the book of Acts, but this one is in reference to Antioch in Syria, which at the time was the third largest city in the Mediterranean world. You had to uh, you had Rome being number one. You also had Alexandria uh, down in Egypt being uh, the second largest. And then third largest at the time was Antioch in Syria, which was to the north. And, and it says here that in connection to that persecution and the scattering, the diaspora, um, the word goes out, right? It, it says they traveled that far and telling the message only to Jews, but then verse 20 we're still trying to figure this out. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. No, they don't just assume, oh, they're just telling everybody. No, they said, they even told people who weren't Jewish about Jesus. It's like the point just gets being made again 
and again and again. Those outside of the church of their understanding. People who you'd never guess would be receptive to the message of Christ. They go out and they tell. And they share. And it also makes it clear, it's not just Peter's story of seeing God working among those who are not of the same background as them, receiving the gospel and having the Holy Spirit impact their lives. It's happening to others in that early church that were scattered in those early days. The Holy Spirit is alive and well, and the word of God is transforming lives. He goes on, and the account here is that the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And then verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And then verse 23, when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, and here it is, and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. I love that. The reason is, is because Barnabas in the early church is known as an encourager. If you ever wonder, well, who is this Barnabas guy and why is he sent to Antioch and, and what's the deal with this guy? And, and I, I've kind of recognized that name, but who is this guy, Barnabas? Well, Barnabas is mentioned 23 times in the book of Acts alone. He's mentioned five other times in, in the epistles of St. Paul. Barnabas is, which you might say, a pretty big influence in the early church. But if you've ever wondered, well, where does he come from? Where does he show up? Who is Barnabas? I don't remember Barnabas being in that list of 12 disciples that Jesus calls. And um, later in, in third century, um, somebody makes this declaration that Barnabas was one of the, the group of 70 that went out and was sent out by Jesus. We have no record of that. We have no proof of that. It was just kind of an interesting thought. Um, most likely not true, but it could be, I suppose, but we don't know. There's no scripture that points that out, but it was stated early on. Some have even said Barnabas was the writer of the book of Hebrews, and many dispute that being a possibility. However, the point is, is Barnabas was such a major influence in the early church, people are often looking for places to say, hey, maybe he did this, maybe he did that, maybe he's one of them, and the point is, here's what we do know about Barnabas. Um, if you have a Bible with you today, I would like you to turn back and you see where, where he first shows up is earlier in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, and, and as we get to the end of chapter 4, there's this, this beautiful picture of the early church and, and that they're, they're there together, they have everything in common and they're sharing all that they have, that there's no one in need among them. There's this, this spirit of generosity at the, the work of the Holy Spirit is having its way. And, and there's a sense of community that is so deep and so real and so true. And among them, it says in verse 36 in chapter 4, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, take a note of this, this will make sense in a little while. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. How cool is that? You know what your name means? How would you like to be named Barnabas and realize, hey, that means I'm an encouragement. That's a very positive, positive name, isn't it? Um, right? Um, 
versus Debbie Downer or something like that. I'm just throwing that out there. If your name is Debbie, don't take offense at that. That's not what I meant at all. Um, But son of encouragement. So here's Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. We know he's a Levite. He's from Cyprus. The early church, they called him Barnabas because he was an encourager. How cool. And it says there that he sold the field he owned and he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So here's Barnabas selling land and he's bringing the proceeds and he's, he's, he's giving it. He's saying, may this make a difference in the kingdom. He's a generous guy. He's an encouraging guy. Um, he's known in the early church. Now you fast forward a little bit and there's another place where, where Barnabas shows up earlier in, in the story of Acts and that is um, just a couple weeks ago when we were studying the conversion of the apostle Paul from Saul, this, this murderous threat to the early church and how the Holy Spirit ambushes him. Um, after, after Saul is, is spending time in Damascus and he just starts instantly preaching the gospel message of Jesus and, and then it happens that the Jews in town, um, they seek to kill him because this is not good. You, you can't do that. You mean, it's like, what are you doing? You can't, you can't just switch sides here and they seek to kill him and and, and Saul escapes from Damascus, makes his way to Jerusalem. And you just think about this. He arrives in Jerusalem and he's knocking on the door of the apostles like, hey, here I am. Just, just thought I'd come hang with you for a while and talk about Jesus. And they're like, I don't think so. Because <laughs> they thought uh, he was just trying to infiltrate the ranks in order to bring greater persecution on the church. They don't trust the guy. I mean, who would, right? Well, the question is, who would? Guess who did? Just so happens his name is Barnabas. Let me read this to you from chapter 9. When, when, when Saul arrives in Jerusalem, he tried to join the other disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. And then verse 27 says, But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. And that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. You see what's going on here? Barnabas is an encourager. Barnabas is a leader. Barnabas is an influencer. Who is able to take Saul. and, And with Saul tell his story. And build a case that you can trust this man. What an amazing God we have who can not only transform the life of one named Saul but also work in the life of one named Barnabas with a gift of encouragement and influence. Now I go back to that, that question, you know, what, uh, what's the name of the person that first influenced you in faith? Who maybe has been there through thick and thin, through times where you have done things you're not proud of and yet have reminded you of the grace of God and the love of Jesus when your story has taken a turn at times where you maybe turn your back on the Lord, maybe when times where you thought you had no right being in the church anymore, or people who know you on a deep, dark level and know the darkness of your sin and your brokenness and someone who loves you right there. A lot of times those are the encouragers in our lives. People who know us and love us in spite of ourselves and keep pointing us back to the cross. Barnabas is that kind of guy. Now, going back to Acts chapter 11, now we find out that as Barnabas 
arrives up in Antioch and he saw the evidence of the grace of God. Verse 23, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He gives us a little more description. He says he was a good man. Does that mean he was without sin? Of course not. But he's a righteous man by the message of Christ and the power of Christ working in his life. God had baptized him as a child of God. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, it says, and, and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And it's implied there that Barnabas, through his influence, through his sharing of the gospel, uh, and, and in his opening up about the message of Christ, people around him are coming to know Christ as well. It's what happens when God has his way in our lives. We're hopefully seeing that this summer is that as we are dispersed as the diaspora into this world and God has his way in our lives, we cannot help but speak about what we've seen and heard. And, and as God gives us that gift of encouragement as his people, to see those around us in a, with a different lens and to say, how can I encourage you? How can I share Jesus with you? How can I build you up rather than tearing you down? How can I be an influence for Christ in your life? Verse 25 says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And I love this. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So you have the third largest city of the time. And this church being planted... Barnabas, who is sent there, and, and you may remember those that had gone to Antioch first were from a city that's named, and it just so happened they're from a place named, that's called Cyprus. Do you remember where Barnabas was from? Cyprus. Why do you think the church in Jerusalem says, hey Barnabas, why don't you go up to Antioch? Because people you probably know are up there talking about Jesus. Why don't you go and encourage them? You see how these, all these things kind of come together? Barnabas was the man for the hour and the moment and the, and the day. And, and he goes and he's there and he encourages. But then he realizes, here's an opportunity. If this young church that's being established with the truth of Jesus and is growing, here's an opportunity for Saul to be welcomed in and get an opportunity on the front lines of a new ministry to play a role. And that's exactly what Barnabas does. He goes and gets Saul and, he, and for a year they teach God's people there. What do you think Barnabas was doing during that time with his relationship with Saul? Encouraging him, mentoring him, shaping him, molding him, telling him that if you ever preach with notes, my spirit is going to whisk them off the pot. No, I don't know, right? But my point is, he was influencing him, giving him opportunities to spread his wings in the faith and share the gospel message of Christ. A lot of times we think of the Apostle Paul just right away, just charging out there and having a leadership role. It wasn't that way. It took a man like Barnabas to take him under his wing and take that passion and the Holy Spirit that was having its way and mentoring him. And then when it finally happens that from Antioch, they launch into what is known as Paul's first missionary journey. Early on, it's Saul, or I'm sorry, early on, it's Barnabas who is actually leading that journey until in the midst of the journey, you can see Barnabas kind of just stepping back and letting the Apostle Paul, lead the way. So it goes with encouragement. Encouragers aren't about just being out in front of everybody. There are people who often are in the background saying, come on, go ahead, see what God can do. They encourage us. I'll show you another picture. This just happened on Wednesday 
no, actually Thursday this week, um, had a text come up saying, hey, are you at the office? And I said, yeah. And, hey, we're, uh, we're passing through. Can we stop in? I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, this is Pastor Ted Benson. He's a pastor down in Spring, Texas at uh, Resurrection uh, Lutheran Church down there. And, and what's awesome about this guy is he was a college kid um, when I arrived in Mount Prospect, Illinois, when I served there for 12 years. He was a college student. He'd be home on breaks and we go out for coffee together. He was a teacher at the time. He had graduated a few years later and became a teacher for a few years. Wrestled with that and, and was an amazing teacher. He'd go on uh, youth trips with us. And, and I'd always pull him aside and say, Ted, you have this amazing gift with people. You have an ability to listen and encourage in ways that I've never seen. I mean, his way with people is profound. And uh, I, I remember the day, too, where he called me. He says, I think I'm going to go to seminary. And I remember doing this dance of joy. Because <laughs> I always knew he'd be an amazing pastor. And, and he is. He's an amazing pastor. And you talk about how God works through the kingdom. I think about how I was encouraged by a, an elder pastor when I was going through those days. And here's a, Ted and our conversations on the phone and over coffee. And, and he goes on to be a pastor in Spring, Texas. And, and do you remember when Hurricane Harvey hit two years ago? Devastation in the Houston area, right? And, and we responded to that as a congregation. And, and the question is, well, where do we send those funds to make a difference on the ground in the Houston area? Well, it just so happens Ted and his family had just arrived in Spring, Texas two weeks before the hurricane hit. And suddenly their church was right in the epicenter of a family and a community in need. And um, those gifts he just shared with me on Thursday says those gifts continue to make a difference because of the relationships that were formed with people who didn't know Christ and yet the resources to rebuild their homes and, and help them get out of the trauma that was Hurricane Harvey that lasted really, it was just concluding about two, just a few months ago, they said the building continues. And you think about the impact, the relationship and how the church works and it's the encouragement of God's people to make that difference. You know, I'm closing today. Talk about who encouraged you. Who has God put in your life to encourage? Maybe it's somebody younger than you. Maybe it's someone older than you. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's somebody on your golf league. Maybe it's a neighbor across the street of the cul-de-sac. Who has God placed in your life to encourage? Never underestimate what God can do in those interactions as he has his way in us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you are a God who encourages us as a savior who goes the way of the cross, taking death in our place and rising again to give us new life and a calling and a purpose in this world. Open our minds and our hearts to see the encouragement that is ours through the relationship we have with you. But also as your church and through the diaspora of being out in the world among us, you open our eyes to the opportunities to encourage. We thank you for spiritual greats that have gone before us and the likes of Barnabas and the Apostle Paul. But Lord, that same spirit that transformed their lives to being encouraging meant in the early church is a spirit that is alive and well among us here today. So have your way, we pray. And that spirit of encouragement, just in fact you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen.